You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win Podcast. This is Ben Wolf, as always, your host. Uh, welcome. We are going to talk today with our guest about how to stop killing your low hanging fruit by cross selling to your current client base. Uh, I want to introduce my guest, basically, information about him and basic background information is he is the host of the Revenue Growth Podcast. He's the founder and CEO of Convergo, a sales consulting firm that helps B2B companies use a business operating system to create and execute revenue growth goals. You can learn more about him and what uh, what his firm does at Convergo, C-O-N-V-E-R-G-O dot C-O, Convergo dot C-O. And with that, I give you Daryl Amy. Welcome, Daryl. Ah, oh, it's great to be here, Ben. Thanks for having me in today. Well, I appreciate you coming on and making the time. It was great being on your show a little bit ago, uh, talking about fractional leadership. Um, but for this topic here, what we're going to be speaking about today, if you don't mind giving us a little context, quick two-minute background on your story and your background that kind of got you to be speaking about this subject. Yeah, absolutely. I am a sales junkie with a marketing degree and in B2B sales straight out of college 30 years ago. I remember walking back into the office, holding up a signed, freshly signed four-part sales order form uh, and walking in and saying, writing it on the board, ringing the bell. It was a great order. Uh, I was working for an office technology company at the time. And I remember walking in and saying, I own this account, to which my sales manager who wasn't quite so gentle or <laughs> wasn't quite so he didn't read any of the books you should read on leadership said well daryl congratulations on the order but do they have this product category from us no do they have this product category do they have this software from us daryl you don't own the account you own 25 percent of the account and it was it was that undelicate moment earlier in my career that uh -huh. left, left this indelible impression that said look you know what we really need to understand is when we close a deal we actually are opening a relationship and the goal is not one order. The goal is 100% sold. So that's my background. And I've spent the last three decades in sales, sales development, two of those decades also being a partner in a marketing agency, most recently working with Revenue Growth Engine to help companies bring sales and marketing into alignment to hit their revenue goals. And all of it goes back to that moment uh, when I realized that you know, just getting that order, that first order, really, it's just the beginning of a journey towards cross-selling, which is something I've noticed a lot of organizations, quite frankly, maybe pay a little bit of lip service to. There's a ton of low-hanging fruit in most of the businesses we go in. Yeah, tell so so tell me, you know, just you know, just uh, I got your book and, <laughs> right here. Good. I just Thank wanted you, to hold ben. that up while I while I while I got you on the. For those of you on on video watching on the video version of this on uh, whether it's YouTube or whatever, but um, what so tell us more about that. What what is that low hanging fruit that people are leaving on the vine? Like, describe in excruciating detail the 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 problem that, that we're addressing. Well, the reality, this term hundred percent sold. I love it. It came from my first company I worked for, straight out of university, and. And to me, this concept of, of looking at our client base, 
and going, what percent sold are we in each one of our revenue buckets? You know, most companies, uh, whether you're a professional services firm, whether you're a manufacturer, what, whatever business you're in, most companies have multiple product lines, service lines, revenue buckets. And what we begin to realize when you look at most companies, they've got one product, it's maybe their lead product. In the story I told earlier about my career, that lead product was copy machines. Mm -hmm. But we also had printers, fax machines. I'm going to really date myself now, Ben. We had dictation equipment mm -hmm. and we had some software. And so what, what I encourage companies to do is to look and go, okay, if you've got a thousand clients, how many of those clients are using each one of your core product categories? You know, for that main one, it may be a hundred percent, you're hundred percent sold, but let's go and look at each one of those other revenue buckets. And let's look at, uh, you know, what percent of your clients are using each one of those buckets. And when you start to look at that, um, a couple of emotions happen. The first emotion is sadness and despair going, oh my goodness, we're leaving. So it is like looking and watching this whole, I love how you describe rotting fruit, you know, sitting there. Um, but the other emotion that comes into the table when you start to look at, at the potential inside your current account base, you realize, oh my goodness, a lot of the companies that we look at, Ben, where we're doing revenue growth workshops and go out and start unpacking this, the reality is most companies could double some triple their revenue if they did nothing more than strategically cross sell more to their current client base and move towards that 100% sold goal. So in essence, this the definition of 100% sold is going to be different for everyone listening in. But if you think about your business, the revenue buckets, product services, solutions, whatever you sell and look at your your mark, your penetration and your customer base on that. You know, I, I would really recommend, and, and of course we're, we use EOS to run all of our businesses, work with a lot of organizations that also use EOS and we're big into scorecarding in the community, which I absolutely love. I think personally, one thing that should be on every company's scorecard is exactly what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Percent like, sold? Percent sold for each of our revenue buckets. You know, are right. we hundred percent? Not even tracking it, you don't even know. No, it was funny. I remember, I was we're. <laughs> I, there's so many examples of this, but I was working with a uh, company uh, in my home country of Canada. This strange accent you hear. I'm a Canadian kid that married a Southern girl, but um, I'm working with a company, and they distribute medical products. And, um, and so we're going through, and, and a lot of times in our growth strategy workshops, and we talk about this in revenue growth engine, and by the way, if anyone wants a copy of revenue growth engine, just go to convergo.co, click on the free book link, and I'd be honored to send you an autographed copy, but the, um, we're going through and we're mapping out their client experience, just, you know, what happens. Cause this is, this is where things really get telling what happens mm -hmm. from the time someone first becomes a client all the way through becoming a client for the first time. And most importantly, what we're here to talk about today, that journey, once they do become a client. And so uh, this medical equipment company, uh, we're, we're talking through this and what happens next, what happens next, you know, kind of those bedside questions. And then we get to the, the orders taken and I say, okay, well, after the orders taken and deliver, then what happens? And everyone got really quiet. And the visionary said, well, Daryl, 
that's what we refer to as the black hole. <laughs> and we had a little bit of a laugh, uh, but it was a sobering moment to recognize there's an incredible amount of potential opportunity mm -hmm. here because what happens once somebody becomes a customer, my friend, Mark Hunter, great sales author. Uh, he's known as the sales hunter. Mark Hunter says, you don't close a sale, you open a relationship. And so mm -hmm. if you start to look at it that way, that the sales and marketing isn't done when you get that first order, it's actually just beginning. And then you start to look at your experience after the sale, that's when you start to realize, oh my goodness, we've got a lot of opportunity here. If we'll just get strategic and put processes in place to ensure that we're able to deliver the best and highest value to every one of our customers. Right. What's the difference in the amount of time, money, and energy that you have to spend selling to your current client base versus making new sales to new clients? Well, the conventional wisdom here, I think, is uh, is a little bit faulty. I mean, conventional wisdom says, you know, depending on who you read, five, six times, ten times more to get a new customer than to to sell more to a current customer. But I think what what that uh, what what's misleading about that statement, and it's absolutely true, but what seems to be or tends to be misleading about that is there seems to be this thought that once we get a customer, then they'll just naturally buy whatever they need from us. And in my experience- Without it being intentional, like an intentional effort. Right. Yeah, without putting the processes in place, without thinking about it strategically. And so a lot of businesses, when it comes to growth, and I'm passionate about growth and revenue growth engine, we talk about the law of exponential growth. And that is, there's two ways and two ways only to grow a business, if you think about it. One is getting more customers, net new business. Number two is cross-selling more to your current clients. You could say market share and wallet share. You could say land the deal and expand in the account. However you want to phrase it, those are the two ways, net new and cross-sell, that you grow a business. We get very, very strategic when it comes to net new business. Most companies field sales teams. And uh, I'm a recovering salesperson myself. I'm down to therapy twice a month. It's going pretty well. Um, and I'm actually a sales junkie, but if you, if you think about growth in a business, you immediately think about sales, which then, you know, let's go out, let's get in the door, let's close the deal. Um, and so I think there's this, this thinking about business in terms of, of sales. And then we, we just kind of assume that after the deal, well, quite frankly, the psychology of most salespeople is, well, let's go get another one. And, and then we just kind of hope and assume and pray maybe somebody will buy more stuff from us. Well, if we took the right. hope, assume, and pray that we'd get new customers, we'd be out of business. So why don't we take that same level of strategy, intentionality, process, investment, and put that also in the cross-sell side of things? Because when you get net new and cross-sell going at the same time, we show this in revenue growth engine, modest growth in net new and cross sell of like 12 to 15% year over year. Mm -hmm. You just run the spreadsheet on it. You actually double revenue in about 36 months organically. I mean, it's, wow. it's super exciting and impressive, but, but the reality of what we're saying here, Ben, is let's take the same intentionality and let's take a process mindset to, to looking at what happens after the sale 
as much or more as we do what happens before the sale. And, and when right. you do that, it, it can be very, very rewarding. Awesome. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And I just want to, I know I'm asked a couple of somewhat duplicative questions because I just want to emphasize this because we do just psychologically just focus on new sales and exactly how you described, like just kind of take for granted or just not think about uh, existing sales. And yes, it doesn't happen automatically, but it's still a lot less energy, time and money. Uh, You know, if you do work on that intentionally than, than the new sales. But um, you in your writing, you talk about three levels at which 100% sold, if that's a goal, mm-hmm. three levels at which that should be tracked. Uh, can, can you talk about that? Yeah. And as I do, though, I just want to think a, a little bit more about this cross-sell thing. And I, it's something just sparked in my mind that I feel is going to be relevant to the audience. When we talk about sales, this, the S word scares a lot of people, right? So you got 10% of your organization that carry a business card that say sales representative, they love sales. The other 90%, they don't like sales. <laughs> I can pretty, you know, that's pretty much how it works. Right. So I like the R word a lot better, revenue. And so everyone re- can recognize that, um, you know, going to an organization and saying that, that you need to sell more um, you know, at that point, um, you know, that's a turnoff for a lot of people. They may nod their head, but go, I'm not a salesperson. So it right. doesn't apply to me, but if we can talk in our organization together as leaders in the organization about going in and actually expanding revenue, which expands opportunities, a lot of times that's a, a much, much better way to think about that mm-hmm. when it cross, it comes to cross sell. Uh, you know, there's there's a number of things you can measure and a number of different layers on which you can measure it. Um, I, we already talked about one, which is looking at each one of your revenue buckets. And uh, I like to see this on the wall. <laughs> you know, like I like to see the bar chart on the wall. Um, we were working with uh, a group of sales leaders at uh, a breakthrough sales leader retreat I was at uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I was teaching on this. I was just drawing out this on a uh, an easel and we drew, you know, hundred percent, like in a bar chart. And then we drew 50% and we drew 5%. And then you just scribble in the blank area there. And that's like lost revenue or potential revenue, right? You start to add that up. So I think you should look at it on a product category, um, standpoint. I think you should look so at what percent. So what would that be? That would be percent sold among our category. current clients in each, in that product category. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So I think you should look oh, at that if, at a if, company if 100% level. of our customers are buying whatever our entry point uh, piece is, yep. then that piece would be 100%. And if only 5% of our clients are buying something else, then that one would be a 5%. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, you can look at that and you make it, well, Daryl, not all of our clients are candidates for all of our products and services, um, which you know, tune in next time. We'll talk about ideal clients because that to me is the definition of an ideal client. Interesting. Um, Or you also may say, well, Daryl, we don't have multiple products and services to which I would say, well, let's fix that. You know, you've got a relationship of trust. You understand the outcomes that your clients are looking for. If you don't, you can go ask them because they're clients. And then you can begin to say, well, what logical lily pad type things, you know, maybe if you're um, you know, if you're in 
uh, we've been talking about, if, uh, I'm working with a company last week that did engineering services. So if you're in engineering services, um, you probably don't want to cross sell um, you know, janitorial supplies, right? You know, just, that's the lily pad. Um, but you know what, if you're in office technology and you're in someone's office all the time, you want to cross sell it services. I've seen people cross sell furniture. I've seen them cross sell coffee service. I mean, you know, those, those are all lily pads you can get to because they're product they're related to the maintenance of an office. Um, right. and so you can look at that. So little rabbit trail there. If you going, I don't have other products and services that I can sell. Well, start listening to your clients and figure out what those lily pads are that you could bring in to your business. Cause there's, you know, you've got this customer base, let's right. serve them. Um, now that we, before we leave that, since we're on this rabbit hole, what, what about the concept of core focus mm -hmm. and like pick one thing and do it really well. And, and like how, when your energy gets spread in multiple areas and you become or you're not really great at anything instead of being really, really good at whatever your core product or service is, where does that fit in? Where does that fit into to what you just said? Oh, it's a great question. And so I would say, what is your core focus? Is your core focus your product or is your core focus your ideal client? Because if your core focus is only your product, you're going to be, well, first of all, you might miss thinking about what your clients actually want. But if your core focus is your client, and in that example I used earlier, your client sees you as someone that provides services to make their office run smoothly, then the, if that's your core focus, providing um, services to make our clients' offices run smoothly, then it's not outside your core focus to provide their equipment, their IT service, maybe some software, maybe coffee. You know, you could, that, that, that is... And, and this is where I think a lot of companies miss it. They think our core focus is a product. Well, by the way, if your core focus was a product and you're selling dictation equipment, uh, you're out of it's business. Oh. If your core focus was helping your clients communicate, um, when dictation equipment went obsolete about two and a half decades ago, instead, you might have been selling also going, what else could we do to help people communicate? Oh, phones. Oh, <laughs> Uh, you know, oh, computers, oh, mobile devices, oh, you know. Well, I wish and... I wish Blockbuster picked up on that message uh, 10 years, 10, 15 years ago. You know, while we're, while, while we're just picking on the office technology business, and that's where I got my start, um, you know, I had the opportunity to tour Park Research Center a couple of years ago while I was working on a project. Park Research Center, the Palo Alto Research Center, is um, was a division of it still is a division of the copier company Xerox and great company fantastic crushed it uh, most people don't know but the product to gain the market share the fastest uh, before up until the iPhone the iPhone broke the record but the Xerox's initial copier was the fastest to market product in history now, at the same time, so that's pretty awesome, right? The only person that knocked them off the pedestal was this, you know, device that we carry around. So um, what was what was incredible about that is because they were so successful, they had this little research center out in California. And uh, when you go into the park research center, they now have a museum at the front. And in the museum is the first mouse, 
the first mouse, the first graphically, you know, computer where you could click and move a cursor around on the screen. Well, because that company thought their core focus was copiers and not helping people run their offices more efficiently, they looked at this thing and said, well, that's cute. Oh, and by the way, that Palo Alto Research Center also invented Ethernet. Now, mm. because they thought their core focus was a product, they missed out on the networking revolution and the personal computer revolution, mm. all because they were enamored with their product. If they had right. recognized that their core focus was you know, making copies, uh, thinking of an SNL skit, uh, their core focus was copies. making copies, uh, which is actually communication. They would have realized that they could have become, you know, a, a company as large as Microsoft and IBM right. maybe combined in that. They ended up licensing all that technology or Cisco, right? Ethernet. I mean, are you kidding right. me? <laughs> and, and so I think one of the things we have to really, really be careful of is when we say our core focus is our product we get myopia, right? And this is Theodore Levitt, one of my all-time favorite authors. He was the father of modern marketing, Harvard Business School, walks in, marketing 101, day one of class, probably heard this, he holds up an electric drill bit. And he says, nobody in the history of Lowe's, Home Depot, insert hardware store here, ever went to the store to buy the drill bit. They went to buy the hole, right? And uh, actually... Seth Godin would go, well, they didn't really go to buy the hole. They went to buy the hole so they could drill a hole in the wall and hang a plaque on the wall and look good to their friends or make their significant <laughs> other happy, right? But the point is they didn't go to buy the drill bit. They went to buy the hole or the recognition from the plaque on the wall. And actually Donald Miller, another one of my favorite authors would go, well, actually we all descended from cavemen and we know as cavemen, if we don't fit into society, we're going to be ostracized. We're going to die. So whether you went to the store because you needed a hole, you wanted to, to hang die. something on the wall, you went or to, to not, not die. die. You didn't. Your core focus was not the drill bit. Your core focus was this outcome that you had. So I would I challenge everybody listening in to go, okay, let's put my beloved product, my beloved copy machine, whatever your your product is. Let, let me just put that for aside for a second and go. What are what are people actually buying from us? And when you start to do that, I think that's when you discover your core focus and that creates a sustainable business because right. for my friends that are in the copier industry, they had a little bit of a problem. If you're in the office equipment industry and you have a period of time where people stop going to the office right. and you know start working remotely, that causes some issues. And so if you, if you keep that core focus on the product, you're going to be in trouble. If you keep it right. on the outcomes, then it starts to open up. What else could we do to help right. deliver that outcome? And, and then get to that focus. sold and we know which gets us. Yeah. And now you can cross topic. sell and now you can grow inside your client base. Right. You know, if you look at an investment right now, um, which may not be a good thing to do, don't look at your investments right now um, <laughs> as the time we're recording this. Uh, but, uh, and this is not market advice. Um, but if you look at an investment, you're going to look at the yield. What's the yield on this investment? If I put a, a you know a hundred dollars here or a hundred dollars here, what's my yield? My question to to every business owner is, what's your yield on a customer? What's your average revenue per customer? This is another thing I think that should be scorecarded. 
is revenue per customer. If revenue per customer is going up, then I would submit that you're doing a good job at cross-selling. If revenue per customer is going down, you know, unless that was something strategic you did, um, I would say that should be, you know, something you circle in a quarterly or level 10 meeting to go, Hey, we need to, we need to figure this out. So, um, yeah, this is, this is so, so powerful. Look at it at your company level, but I think you should also look at it at a customer level. And uh, I like to call them clients. Customers go to Walmart to buy toothpaste. Clients go to uh, trusted advisors for advice, but look at it at a client level and say, okay, especially for your top 20% clients, the Pareto principle is in full effect in every business I've gone in. 20% of clients drive 80% of the potential or 80% of the actual revenue. So now when I'm, I'm doing one-on-ones, here's for my sales leaders, when I'm doing one-on-ones with my reps, especially on their key accounts, let's do that graph, that 100% sold graph for each one of those accounts. Mm-hmm. And let's develop a strategy to get to 100% sold with all of our accounts. Right. That's, that's awesome. And, and maybe this is this might be a related topic, but going back to what you said a minute ago for a last question on enrolling more members of the team, about 90% of the company, like sales is a dirty word. They don't like mm-hmm. it. You know, they don't like mm-hmm. selling. And, you know, when you think about account management or the people doing customer service or whatever, people outside of that sales role, official sales role, how do we enroll and get them involved and how do they get involved in how do we set them up to get involved in getting us closer to 100% sold with our clients? Yeah, I think it comes to the P word, process, or for my Canadian and British friends, process, right? We've got to look at this in terms of what do we want <clears throat> to happen? And if you start to look at your process, and, and we talked earlier about client experience, I love the concept of client experience because that says, let's look at this through our client size. Uh, that same company that taught me about 100% sold had a uh, company tagline that said customer vision. We see everything through our client's eyes. I thought that was powerful. And when you look at the discipline of client experience, especially um, in the book, um, The Experience Economy by Joe Pine and James Gilmore. By the way, I also had an incredible interview with Joe Pine a couple of weeks ago on the mm-hmm. Revenue Growth Podcast. But they, you know, I I met check these that guys. out revenue broke revenue growth podcast. Check yeah, it out. yeah, we get to talk with with phenomenal authors and thought leaders like Ben Wolf, and uh, it's uh, it's a fun show. It's a great excuse for me to talk to my favorite authors. But uh, I was talking to Joe Pine, and I met Joe Pine uh, his through his book, and I, I met his book because uh, literally the day before Disney shut down at the pandemic, I was speaking at a conference there. And I was having dinner that night and the guy across the table, I said, what do you do? And he said, I work for the Disney Institute. Now the Disney Institute teaches the rest of the world how to create these magical experiences. And uh, I just off the cuff said, Hey, like, where did you guys learn to do this? What does the Disney Institute read? And he goes, you got to read the experience economy. Mm. And in the experience economy, Joe Pine and James Gilmore building on an article they wrote in the Harvard business review said, Hey, look, it used to be about products. They're all, you can't build your business differentiation on products anymore. We all know that if you do, you'll be cloned in six months, <laughs> you're going to be in trouble. Then we move to a services economy and uh, we're all very with services business right now. Um, and the reality though, is there are a lot of competitors in the services business. So how do we differentiate? 
they said the next level of differentiation is customer experience, creating something that is so powerful and meaningful that people would actually be willing to pay for it, to buy a ticket for it. Now, if you think about your business, the moment somebody buys something from you, the moment they sign on the bottom line, the moment the good old days press for hard, the fourth copy is yours moment. Um, what's happening in the customer's mind? Now I can tell you what's happening in the salesperson mind, right? Fireworks and high fives and visions of President's Club and all that are happening while the order is getting signed. However, on the customer's side, what's happening in their mind? Buyer's remorse has just begun. And so the salesperson is at 11 out of 10 and the buyer is at an eight out of 10 slipping rapidly as they're going, did I make the right decision? Oh, geez, I remember this time when I dot, 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 right? And over the weekend, they're thinking about all this. So what do we do to counteract that? Uh, Joey Coleman is another uh, alumni of the Revenue Growth Podcast and the author of Never Lose a Customer Again. And he cites research that shows that buyers make a decision in the first 100 days, whether or not they're ever going to do business with us again. This 100 days, first 100 days of presidency, it's based in real actual psychology. So here's what I say. Here's where I'm going with this to pull, pull this <clears throat> ship back into port is to say, you thought about your sales process to get that order signed. Now let's think about the process from a customer perspective, customer experience from the time that order is approved through onboarding and their experience with you throughout the months and years to follow. And let's think about that experience. Let's create processes. Let's create processes that not only create an excellent, memorable, inspirational customer experience, but let's create processes followed by all documented in playbooks that also introduce the right conversations at the right time, backed up with marketing as part of this process. The sales and marketing doesn't stop when somebody signs an order, it only mm -hmm. just begins. You now have permission to market to them. Mm -hmm. Let's think about that from a process standpoint of what we want to happen because, uh, and there are all kinds of examples in the Revenue Growth Engine book of processes you can put in place after the order sign to set up the cross-sell. And, and you know, it's interesting, Ben, when I ask companies and we're doing an explore meeting just to, to share four strategies other entrepreneurial companies are using to accelerate growth, I'll share that exponential growth thing we talked about earlier, net new cross-sell. And I'll ask, hey, what would you say? Are you guys better at net new or do you kind of tend to be better at cross-sell? Um, about two to one people say net new, by the way. And then I say, well, what they say, well, what do we need to do about the area where we can? I say, that's where you put processes in place. You know, you're already good. If you're already good at net new, mm -hmm. keep doing it. By the way, you could probably benefit from some playbooks and process if you want to scale that. But if keep doing the net new, but take a look at mm -hmm. you know this whole customer experience once someone becomes a customer and, and use that as the springboard to go, okay, well, what if we did this? What if we did this? And, and start documenting that. And that's where you know you can with with the right processes in place begin to move people to 100 percent sold. Awesome. Well, look, I, I appreciate it. I hope I hope this conversation can help us reorient uh, ourselves, and certainly reminds and reorients me to to focus on that. It's a great point in terms of prioritization of what process work we do. You mm -hmm. know, is to, is to focus on uh, processizing and being you know figuring out the strategy and, and being customer focused. 
So really appreciate that. Again, people can go to convergo.co to learn more about uh, you, Daryl, Amy, what your company does. Uh, and um, just really appreciate you making the time today and talking about how people can cross sell, get 100% sold and refocus us on it. Yeah, my pleasure. And when you go to convergo.co, just click on free book. I'd love to send you a copy. This is uh, my gift to you. And this is, you know, all about helping great companies grow revenue. So it's been a real honor uh, to be on the show and to, to get introduced and have this conversation with you and your audience, Ben. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Daryl. And everybody else, we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.